0: Hello, this is Dr. Amy Lindsay and I'm here to remind you that the information in this podcast is not medical or other professional advice. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. You should not rely on anything you hear as a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional who is familiar with your personal situation. Listening to this podcast may, however, give you a sense of belonging, make you spit, take your coffee, realize that DJs can do more than play music, uplift you during a shit day, teach you that sometimes doctors swear too much, or remind you that you are not alone.
1: We're talking to uh, Kevin Whalen later today, who is in the longest breakup of any band that hasn't broken up. (laughs) (laughs) He'll talk more about it. They're not broken up. But, the hiatus? Yeah, it's like a hiatus. Yeah, it made me think of um, breakups, and, and and there's all kinds of different breakups. You can have, you know, breakups with friends and, and loved ones and bands. Like, I get messages all the time. Whatever happened to so-and-so band? Like, they broke up. I'm like, ah, oh, it's devastating. I can't believe. They all break up, unless you're the Rolling Stones. They just die off one by one, and then eventually you're broken up. So, really, everyone breaks up in the end. I was thinking about my own breakups with different people over the years. Um and you know they all led me to you Amy. So
0: you should call and thank every last should thank one. thank one
1: of them. Yeah. High fidelity. Just go through the list, but yeah. instead of saying tell me why we broke up, just thank them.
0: <laughs> no, honestly, if someone's breaking up with you, go immediately to gratitude it's- because you don't want unrequited love, and if someone needs to move on, you don't want to try to force them to stay.
1: Sure, that sounds great. I wish everyone would do that. And uh, I wish I had done that. I never reacted really well like in my early life to breakups. I was so scared to be alone once I was actually with someone that I just I didn't do well. You know It was like my breakup uh, I uh, talked about on here, like I dated someone for the first few years of high school and into college and then immediately dated somebody else. And you know what I liked about her? Hmm. she's the first person to show me any attention after the last breakup that, that was really at that age. All right. Good enough for me. Didn't notice that there What might've been some issues there. Uh, so we went along for a little bit and I knew it was, it needed to end. It just, it wasn't worth And I, you assume the other person sees it too. Like you got to see this, this is not, this is, and I didn't, I'd never broken up with someone. So I, I really hadn't up to that point. And I didn't know how to do it. So anyway, as one so does, you
0: wrote them a post-it note.
1: I did not write a post-it note. What we did is we went to the MTV Alternative Nation tour at the Gorge <laughs> Amphitheater to see the Spin Doctors, Soul Asylum, and Screaming Trees. Mm-hmm. As one does, that's the formula for a good breakup in the '90s. That actually is one of the most '90s thing I've ever said out loud. So we went to the Gorge, and you know, Spin Doctors were were the headliner. By the way, with Soul Asylum and Screaming Trees, um, and I think I was out by Little Miss can't be wrong, but. We left, and then we had to drive back to uh, Spokane, and um, we stopped at a Denny's and got a little food. And did, did you get a pie? I didn't get a pie. You did um, a
0: slice of pie at Denny's?
1: No, I maybe it was at IHOP. We got the Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruity.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: so I ordered my Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruity, and um, and then I just I couldn't I couldn't go on. I, I just had to end. And maybe it was because the spin doctors were just so inspiring to me, but I. I I just said we this is this is I this I'm sorry this is my bad I shouldn't have gotten in this relationship it's I,
0: me not you it
1: is I did all the like cliche things you know I talk about when I emcee I, I want to get on stage and never do the cliche things when I introduce a band and every goddamn time what's up Seattle we're gonna rock like it happens every time so I was going to this breakup like same thing no cliche just be honest dude I totally did all the but it was true it was it was me it wasn't you. Maybe we can still be friends. I said that like a dummy. And then we tried later, by the way. It was just terrible. But anyway, broke up with her and she got into her car and drove back to Spokane. The problem is she was driving. I I, I didn't have a car. So now I'm in <laughs> Moses Lake Denny's with no car and my relationship ended. And all I have to show for it is a, is a bill for the Rudy Toody Fresh and Fruity. I think it was the IOP actually. and, and and that's that's not the best way to break up i realized later and uh i i did find a friend my friend came and picked me up and that's a true friend who comes because it wasn't like pick up your cell phone god help me man uh and then when i told my buddy hey i broke up with so-and-so and uh and i'm now in the moses like denny's can you come get me he's like ah oh, it's about time hangs up the phone just comes and picks me up
2: hey 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 it's the doctor and
1: Today's Doctor and the DJ podcast, we're gonna talk to Kevin Whalen of Eon Station and the new album Observatory, which is out on Sub Pop Records, a 10-track album that he's been working on for the last 14 years. We're gonna talk to him about his band The Wrens, the New York Times article that came out not too long ago. We're also gonna continue our conversation about breakups and relationships, and we're gonna leave you, by the way, with a full-length song at the end of the podcast. I'm undone before My knees
2: touch the ground Big potty play Where you're lost and then you're found Hope lifts the sun Fear drags it down But now
1: Amy, again, we're talking to mm. Kevin Whalen later, and it made me think of relationships you have. You know his story with the Wrens; it's an amazing story. This band, their history is like no other band.
0: Album every eighteen years. Yeah, or something. It, it's
1: it's the amount of time between records is just um, it, it's like no other band. And he's been waiting, and and the other member of the, the main member of the band's kind of been waiting to put the music out and it just didn't happen so you know kem went ahead and is releasing this under eon station and eons,
0: I re- eons. he's Excuse releasing
1: me. it as eon station which because mm-hmm. it's been eons he'll tell us that later how he came up with all the names and everything and i love the interview um and we go way back to the ren's days because the metal lands is one of my all-time favorite records and and he's just a great guy and um you know he's in the press having to talk about you know, he's not just releasing music, he has to go through and talk about not putting an album out for over a decade and almost two decades. And again, it just it just makes you think like relationships are difficult. Being in a band together is difficult. Writing with someone, you know, we would just watch that Beatles documentary, just watching George Harrison, like, fuck you all. Fuck you and you and you. And he's talking about John Lennon and <laughs> I want a song. God damn it. You know, and Ringo's like, I love everybody. And and John's like, I'm so goddamn high. And Paul McGarry's like, excuse me, I'm just gonna write a masterpiece here in the next five seconds while you all bicker. And it, it was fascinating, but that's that's a band. You got to see the greatest band of all time. Like in their relationship is not easy. So it just I don't know. I've just been thinking about that when we're doing this podcast, about different relationships over the years. Do you do you like when you think of breakups, do you ever go back and think about people in your life that not necessarily you dated or were married to, but just breakups, just relationships ending many, many relationships run their course.
0: I do. And I'm such a nerd. I think about chemistry. Of course you do. You know, like I'm
1: quoting the spin doctors. You're thinking hydrogen of chemistry. and
0: oxygen. <laughs> Doctor and the they DJ. just fucking love each other. Right. Yes. Like hydrogen, a bond to oxygen, like, I mean, that's water, H2O, right? So I think about chemistry, like, you know, we've talked about toxic people or toxic friends or things like that, but I really want to reframe that. I've been thinking about this and people aren't necessarily toxic. They're just doing whatever they're doing. They're living their life. It's just not agreeable to your life. And so it's the relationship that's toxic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's the chemical bond or lack thereof, you know? Uh,
1: it's hard to it's hard for a lot of people to get over. You know, it's it's a grieving thing. It's just like when you lose someone to death. I have a friend, you know about this, but I have a friend who just disappeared. I mean, he's alive. I'm aware of his being alive, but he just there was a big group of us and he just disappeared one day there was just no more communication with us none of us could figure it out like we just it just it really affected me i i kept wondering what i did or what was the situation like what did we do wrong what did we you know and you just question everything you're doing even in a friendship like that and i miss that guy for the longest time like we had some serious history he and i and i it took me a long time to figure out that he's just going a different course and it didn't involve me, and it didn't involve our group of friends, and and he moved on. But I I struggled more with that within some people, of my relationships. People
0: communicate with their silence. Yeah, that's true. Silence yeah. is a form of communication. Ghosting is, a, as a form of communication, and and I don't even think it's necessarily unhealthy. And we talked about this before. But sometimes when you we talked about this on the holiday one when you were telling your when we were saying it's okay to tell your family you're not coming to Christmas or yeah. whatever. Coming... I mean, to uh, whatever holiday celebration people were having you don't ha- have to give reasons you actually don't owe anybody reasons you really don't if you have uh like a contract with someone and that includes marriage marriage is a contract if you have some sort of responsibility and obligation that is contractual like is considered legally binding right or you have you either honor it or you do need to communicate that you're breaking the contract, right? But in a lot of relationships, silence is a form of communication, and I've I've ghosted people, people have absolutely 100% ghosted me, and it really isn't you, it's them, right? Like when people say it's me not you, it re- that is actually true. That our own shit, we have to deal with however we need to deal with it. And people are going to deal with their own shit however they're going to deal with it. And it's not always going to be copacetic. And it's not always going to be fair. And it's not always going to be what we expected.
1: Yeah, like when this relationship ended, I mentioned earlier, um, we both ended up moving to Seattle. And I was trying to, this was my dream, was to come, I was moving here and uh she could not accept that we broke up just no acceptance and i know it's usually the guy like every story i ever hear is the dudes just never they can't understand well if i'm creepy and show up at your work i'm sure you'll take me back like i've heard that story way too many times but i was on the receiving end of that in that particular situation and um i didn't know what to do i i I, I over-explained myself. I, and then at some point, just was very direct. It's not working. We are not <laughs> meant to be together. You've got to move on with your life. I'm going to move on with mine. And it was, it, it, And I learned a lot that day, like when I finally, that's as much as I should have said in that, in that particular situation. And in others, I, I agree with you. You don't have to give this long-running list of reasons why we can't hang. Um, but, I, you know, a lot of people want explanation, they want it's the high, going back to high fidelity, like he, John Cusack in the movie, it's also the book, of course. But but you know he's he's looking for why, like what happened. You know I need an explanation.
0: Chemistry, you know, or someone crosses a line. Like you have you have things that are okay with you and things that are not okay with you. And so in any any relationship, you know, it's best to try to figure out what those things are, but you don't always know. You don't always know until you you don't always know what the line is and where to draw the line until sometimes the line is crossed and then you realize, "Oh yeah, no this isn't okay with me," right? And so, you know, of course, communication is key, but at any point, anyone can change their mind as well. Yeah, And so we're, we constant, you just constantly have to bend and flex and you have to honor yourself. You may have said X, you know, and then two months later, you're like, actually, I have changed my mind and you can change your mind. Yeah. Like you're not locked in for the rest of your life to anything really.
1: You know, even following up our interview with Kevin, I I was reading, you know, Charles uh, who's in the band as well. And, and they're the. Songwriters, and that's kind of where the issue is. And and talking to Kevin, he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to Ren's to play again." And I've, you know, it's great. And then you read his, and it's like, "I'll never play with him again." Is I'm paraphrasing, but it just was that vibe. Everyone's having a different experience, and to, for us to sit here in that particular case and decide who's right and who's wrong, if you're not in that relationship, if you're not in that band, even, I don't think you have a right to say anything about that that is their business it just it's being aired in public and it just it just made me think of all those times that people have that 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 relationship and they just can't i guarantee you everyone listening has someone in their life everyone out there has someone in their life that's gone and they can't who's still alive but they can't figure out what happened or they miss that person but that person wants nothing to do with them and it's and it's that's a hard one to move on from or to put somewhere it, and I can't think of any, uh, my friend, I got over that, you know, recently actually, but that went on for a long time. I, like I'm, I'm a little embarrassed how long I <laughs> held on to like trying to figure out what happened.
0: Well, because you're making it about you, I, you, yeah. you were really, and that's the same thing. Yeah. That's what people do is, is we do that. We take everything personally and, It really isn't about us. If someone needs to make a choice for themselves, that's what they need to do. And we often can be very selfish about it. Oh, no, I still need you to be a certain way and to maintain a relationship with me for me. Right? Instead of going immediately to gratitude, honestly. Because if you can get, you know, if someone quits, let's say you're a boss and someone quits, like one of your star employees quits, your job isn't to sit there and convince them to stay. Your job is to immediately go to gratitude because they, if they know they need to leave, they need to leave. And then what, and then it opens a space for someone to fill that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's him with relationships. Can you imagine, John, you and I would never be together if you kept hanging on to like old relationships. That's true.
1: It's true. I, that whole one door closes, another opens. It's absolutely true. The journey that I took to find you or you to find me or us to find each other is, is littered with, <laughs> with past relationships.
0: There's all kinds of carnage. I mean, there's, yeah.
1: And, and I ha- that's okay. I had to go through all of that, I think. To be in like I wish I knew you earlier in my life. I do. I wish I did. Like on the surface, that's exactly what I I think, because that's more time with you. And and we have great chemistry. But I think I don't would I have been prepared to be in a relationship with you? Like would I be prepared for this kind of relationship where this kind of chemistry I hadn't experienced before? And maybe I wouldn't have been, you know, so so I try to try to tell people that when they're going through breakups or listeners write me on the show and, and they're just devastated. I try, I try not to be the guy be like, well, it's going to be fine. And I try not to be the person like, did you have kids? No. Okay. It's, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> like, Cause I, my marriage and going through uh, custody and all of that is a whole other deal. Like you, you have to, like you said just a little bit ago, like you have to lay out all the things, but as far as that relationship goes, there, there was, no question it needed to end like there's no debate no one had to have a conversation it was we were we were going to couples therapy and i i just remember that and and it was the kind of thing where she was saying that we were ganging up on her i was <laughs> like well, <laughs> i don't know if that's true uh, i think we're just hearing a lot of truth right now about relationships and what we want out of a relationship and at one point the woman says you know some people they just weren't meant to be together and I thought that's it. That's all I needed to hear. And the therapist even could see that there is no reason for us to continue down this road for either of us. And, uh, we've had different lives and and we're better for, I'm better for it. I know that much, but I, I, you know, some relationships, there's no question. I move on. I've never looked back. It, it you know, it was all good. Um, I struggle more with those friendships and those people who've just kind of just disappeared in my life, you know. But I I'm, I'm better about it. I understand it. I understand people move on. You can't just have history as the thing that bonds you with somebody. If you just have history, if you don't have similar interests, if you aren't able to have conversations about things that are happening currently in your life and it's all just about we've known each other a long time, then I understand that. And and maybe that's why my friend, you know, moved on. Maybe we just didn't have the things in common that I thought we did.
0: You know, to sit here and say that we're supposed to stay in the relationships we're in with people forever would actually say that we're supposed to stay stuck. Yeah. Honestly, because as we grow as human beings, we are going to grow apart from friendships, from employers, from, uh, business partners, from, uh, bandmates, even, you know, growing apart from people we made families with, either yeah. chosen family or original families. And as you grow more and more into who you want to be and what you want to do with your life and what your life becomes about, there is a natural shedding to that. And that's okay. And that doesn't mean you're better than other people. And they're lesser than you, and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them necessarily. They might have hurt you and been a complete fucking asshole at some point, but it's just it's time to move on. Like you're you're the re- like I was saying earlier, the relationship is broken, but it doesn't mean you're broken. Yeah, or it doesn't mean the other person is either.
1: Yeah, and we've said this before, but again. If that's being scared of that change or, or scared of your own growth keeps you in a relationship, don't let it. You have an opportunity, and, and, it, and it, could, it might be the greatest day of your life.
0: And, you know, speaking of like you and me, yeah. I was talking to someone the other day. They're like, how do you two do it? You guys have <laughs> got to have issues and problems and struggles and shit, but you don't seem like it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we do. We fight. Like we definitely have shit for sure. But here's what I would say about like you and I, we're very honest Uh with each other and that honesty isn't always comfortable and it isn't always like what the other person wants to hear. And, but we're, we're true to ourselves. Like I'm honest with myself and I'm true to myself and then I'll be honest with you. And, and we, at least so far have been growing together you know, and our relationship as a married couple has changed actually quite a bit. Don't you think? We're in a very different relationship than we were in, you know, even 10 years ago. Sure. But it's, 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 it's grown with us, if that makes sense. Yeah. I... And sometimes your relationships don't grow with you. Yeah. But I think it's important to not be scared of those conversations, it doesn't necessarily it may not mean you're breaking up if you're you're bringing up something kind of scary and you've grown a certain way it actually might be an opportunity for growth in the relationship oh yeah the the
1: having a fight as long as you respect the other person is when you belittle them you don't respect them when you're fighting you don't you don't respect them if you did if you have absolute mm-hmm. if you have disrespect for your partner mm-hmm. that's not a good sign <laughs> that's not that, right. that, yeah. So that's never been a thing with us.
0: No. And, and in any relationship, if someone's being disrespectful, you don't have to put up with that shit. No, you don't Not have to Not even it for yeah. five we, fucking seconds. We are
1: seconds. both on the same page. <laughs> <thing.
0: laughs> anyway, chemistry. It all comes back to chemistry. People aren't toxic. The relationship is.
1: And the spin doctors.
0: Here comes
2: the love. Here comes the one.
3: geez okay
1: (laughs) i think probably your intro there's so much intro to you uh (laughs) i may record it later so many things to say but i wrote you i wrote you about this podcast and after seeing you know the the sort of wren's news which uh, trust me every person who knows me or knows the show sent me that um but oh, you're <laughs> but they were excited uh but they, you said i still remember sleeping in a taco bell parking lot
3: yeah or taco time whatever. or taco are. time yeah. to come see you it's one of my favorite memories in our rock life because we'd never been on you know a big deal radio station and we drove all night to get there and we just had nowhere to stay <laughs> so we parked in that taco time and then we got to come in and talk to you. I remember I was all nervous sitting there, and that thing—it's like, okay, here we go. Yes, <laughs> and you were very nice to us because it was a, a hideous smell, and we were tired and gross. And uh, You're very kind.
1: Well, you've got You've got to remember how many tired bands I've I've dealt with over. Because right? <laughs> my show's on early, so it's usually I'm not getting you at your best. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting bands at like. Uh, right, all right.
3: Like, oh, how long have you been drinking <laughs>
1: right exactly <laughs> exactly kevin i want to get a couple things right when we're talking to you. i want to get the name yeah. of your new band right i've been saying yeah. ian
3: yeah ian station Whew, yeah.
1: thank god because i've been doing that live on the air and the second thing is wellen i want to make sure i get your last name right
3: uh, actually Whalen. it's uh with the it sounds like with the a but wellen yep, is it wellen yeah. Damn and so the, 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 the Irish is Whelan, right? So the, right. all the people in Ireland would be like Whelan. So you were right, but my grandmother and us to pronounce it Whelan. Yeah. Whelan, you got
1: it. I had it down originally as Whelan and overth- We were having a
0: debate. I, I overthought Whelan. it on
1: the air. Oh No, no, nah, nah,
3: it's so great. I
1: went, I went 50% on that. And I just didn't even know where to start with you. Um, Kevin, why don't you tell me, right away, like where you are, where, where are you living? Yeah. Tell me your, how's your family? How old are your kids? Let's just give me a quick, what, what, where are you in life?
3: I am, uh, I'm living in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. So it's sort of close to the airport, you know, in New Jersey, you either define yourself by an exit or some sort of, you know, weird thing on some highway or freeway. So yeah, I'm close to the Newark airport and uh, I have, I'm married. Uh, and my wife, who actually is even doing some singing on the on the record, is is here with us. And I have two children. I have an eight and a 10 year old. Two boys.
1: We also have an eight year old and a 17 year old. So we're, Wow. Yeah, that's so awesome. But when we hung, I don't even know if I had kids then when we so we have we to go all. way back. So Kevin in the Wrens. this is where I met. Where did I meet you? I I, I met you when you were in the Wrens, for sure.
3: Um, Yeah, yeah. You invited us to play, you know, for KXP for one of your, your shows at the Croc.
1: Yeah, and then we had a New York show too, but I remember the, right. I remember the Crocodile uh, show very well. And, yeah. um, and then uh, Meadowlands came out, and I declared it the album of the year, which I, I will die on that hill. That, that is the <laughs> album of the year, um, and, nice. I, and maybe a few years after it. I still, whenever uh, anyone writes and says, man, I going through a breakup, I just, I need one of those songs. that's just like, risk me. I'm like, oh, I got one for you. It's called happy. It's from the yeah, right. Let me just throw that on an air. <laughs> F- back and we just, we just sink you in Oh man. So I yeah. mean, I may have spent some time with that when I went through my own divorce like that, that, uh, I don't know yeah. how much of that record uh, had that in mind. Cause I was in a different place when it, I think when it came out, but when I was going through some times, I found myself leaning into that record.
3: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely did have it across that record. Cause we were all pretty lost at that time. Only one of us was married and yeah, we were deep in the throes of trying to figure out what's what that's for sure.
1: <laughs> that makes sense then. Cause that's exactly what I was doing when listening yeah. to your record. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I still play it to this day. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a forget it. It's awesome. It's, a, Thank it's you. weird that, that like, the Wrens are held on a, a for some of us, you know that New York Times article came out about you, and it was it was a, I thought a really good read. Though I I think what, a few things were missed in it for me. I, I think there is a and and when you're in it, I don't know if you know this or not, right? Like you're, that band and that record and and the previous records are held up to this. There's sort of mythical status for a lot yeah. of people. Like when I see that, I'm like well, like that record is so important. Um, it reminds me of like the mythical. Uh, Neutral Milk Hotels or the even, uh, wow. you know, Holy crap. some of the, that's so nice. I just think that's... it, I think people will look back on it. And if they discover that record later, um, which I've I've had people do, they're just mm. blown away that this, this document exists. I just think it's always going to live like that. And I think that was a little kind of missed at how, how much your fans and how much people love that record, both love that, but also there's a drama and a, and a sort of a, yeah. a, a whole story behind it. That isn't like other bands.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. It's, you know, that really was, at the at the time, that was sort of our final record, right? Because by the time we released that record, we'd already been a band for 14 years. And we, we had so many ups and downs, missed million-dollar contracts. You know, we were almost signed to Interscope, and then that broke our hearts, and that didn't work. So we just said, let's make one last one. And that was what the Meadowlands became, all right? And, uh, and everyone kind of digged in as hard as they could at the time, thinking that it was over, right? Wow. So, I, yeah, so I think that sort of has a little bit of that. And I think um, it's a little bit of lightning in the bottle, right? You know, it all kind of tied up with, you know, where people were looking at music, you know, things like Pitchfork, things like KXP kind of coming into the consciousness of, of people at the right times. And uh, we being, you know, sort of a, a rarity, right? I think the story certainly adds into the whole thing, right? At that point, we had, we'd been living in together for, I, I don't know, 10, 12 years, right? So we had our own marriage going on within the band at that time, for sure. And it's very nice that that it's kind of carried for so long. And, and you know, I, I can tell you endless stories. You know, we've always been like the, the bride-in-waiting, right? All the bands that we kind of worked with, you know, Bright Eyes and Arcade Fires and all this kind of stuff. And we got to see it all firsthand, right, from our weird <laughs> New Jersey lens. But, yeah, it's very nice to influence and the, and the kind of partnership.
0: But that's the magic in it, right? I mean, you yeah. wouldn't be the Wrens. You would be something else. If, uh, if everything mm. you went through and the songs you wrote and the way it came out and all the stories behind the scenes, it wouldn't be what it is.
3: Yeah, it, it it certainly wouldn't have been at that moment. It's oddly unique. You figure at that point, you know, we had known each other. We've been a band, uh, literally 13, 14 years, and we'd never played. That's why the, the the show for John. It was. It it really is one of those seminal moments in our career, because we had never played for more than twenty five people. And we've been touring for years. Yeah. I mean, we play all around the country, you know, uh, we go all the way to San Francisco and play to no one. I mean, the first time, um, the first time we played the croc, I think we played for like three people. That was like in 94 or something, you know? So anyway, so when we were going to play for John's show, I remember they were calling us like 500 people are going to it. And we had never heard of 500 people. And so literally it was a mind, uh, the drummer flew in for it. We were so freaked and so nervous. Um, But I think you're right. It is that story uh, where there was so much. I think that's what kind of people gravitated towards with us is that it was just for people that kind of never made it. You know, and had jobs, but loved art and had this thing. And we were never a hipster band. We were never selling tons of records. Um, It's always just been that weird coffee shop or, you know, diner that you like that a lot of people don't know of.
1: I, I remember you cool. I remember you were adults. That's what I remember, too. I mean, yeah. I remember because, yeah, I deal with a lot of bands and there's different levels of – you were adults. I remember dealing with you on like a, oh, God, it's nice to talk to these guys. They're kind of adults. <laughs> they got jobs and stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, because at that time, I I was 33, 34, <clears throat> and, Greg and, and, and Greg and Charles were 38, right, 39. So they were already hitting yeah, 40. Yeah, you guys are older know? than me. I realized everyone I was dealing with was – my age, or yeah, a lot younger. of the young punk bands here. Yeah, indie bands. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. We were already done, and and also because no one, no one, absolutely zero, zero people cared. Uh, we had no record label. Nobody wanted to put it out. That's why our friend put it out of his garage. And I think we had a lucky strike, like I said, with with folks like John and a, a few people. It really comes down to a couple of people, and certainly uh, Ryan, you know, Schreiber from Pitchfork, who we met as a kid. You know, and we were sneaking him into shows ever before <laughs> pitchfork, right? He was common. Like, awesome. no, yeah, it's totally cool. He's like a nervous kid, he couldn't yeah. get in and we'd sneak him in. And he was just a lovely person. And it all kind of coalesced into that that moment, right? For sure.
0: Did you have big dreams that y'all were gonna be these rock stars and like this was gonna be your you know, your calling and you're gonna do big tours and big stadium shows and like this was the thing, or do you feel like the band was always um, something you just loved to do, but that was never, that was never a goal or a, never an expectation.
3: You know, I would say, uh, yes, we had all the, the fanciful ideas and dreams and hope because we quit our jobs. We quit, we quit our lives a number of times to kind of make it happen. And it just never kind of came through. Uh, but you're hitting on a point I, I haven't thought about. I think what made the Meadowlands so good is that we gave up that dream on that record. We said, it's over. We're never going to be famous. We're never going to be rich. It's never going to happen. you know. So let's just go and do a good piece of work. And that was a, a life lesson, right? Because when you have that desire, you kind of do some weird things. That's why our earlier records are great, but they're strained in certain areas where they're like, this is a hit. you know. We're going to have a hit. you know, The Rens don't, we never wrote hits. <laughs> so there's something was never going to, you know, right. Um, so I think you're exactly right. Uh, we did have it. And then we gave up that dream. And uh, then you see the dream, you know, I think people with art, the dream, it changes as you go through life. Did, did that affect
1: your live show, this you being done and going for it? Because, because if you're, if you think this is it, I, I, I mean, your live shows, I only know your live shows from that period. Yeah. You know, on yeah. And, and it, they were incredible. And, and I'm not the only one to say that. I mean, the energy and intensity that you guys, and just, you just seem to be having a good time on stage, and yeah. I see enough bands where that's not the case, that when we saw you, I remember the first time, like, oh, my God, the live show does, does back this up. In fact, even more so, like the songs meant more to me when I saw you live. Yeah. Did that oh, influence you. your live shows? When you, I mean, certainly having people in the room, I'm sure, because I've only seen you in rooms full of people, so I didn't, I wasn't one <laughs> okay. of the three. That's, so that's, maybe, that's, that's your fault, John. <laughs> maybe maybe all, I just, all where all I roll, yeah. yeah, where I roll, it's <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> full, Kevin.
3: <Don't. laughs>
1: but did that, was that like, this is it, guys, let's go for it.
3: Yeah, uh, no doubt. The um, We were still sort of doing the same kind of, you know, physical kind of go for it, you know, clash wannabe in our minds, what we believe the clash were, right? Like you hit the stage, you're a gang, and you burn it down. And uh, we used to do that to three people. So that's why when we got the opportunity to do it to 500 or whatever it was, you know, um, It was it was great. And I will say that living with each other for all those years, we had this weird, you know, and people would joke like we had this weird chemistry on stage where we didn't have to speak with each other. It's just it's like it's like a couple. Right. You don't have to ask what you want for dinner. Like you just sort of know each other, you know, the vibe, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to go there. Right. It's one of those things. And we weren't actually exceptionally very good live, meaning that we didn't care our best moments when it was about to fall apart. And we enjoyed it. The audience would sort of enjoy it because they were be like, oh boy, <laughs> these guys are holding on by a thread. Yeah. And also the, the Meadowlands was a bit, you know, uh, it's an intimate record. And then they kind of see it with this sort of like presence live. It was a nice supplement, right? Sort of what you were saying, John. It adds color to the depth of the song. So if that was the end, why wasn't it the end? That's a good question. I think it's back to, to Amy's question. I think the lore of, you know, could this be something, it didn't really kick in, but it was like, well, let's kind of enjoy the ride. It really was like the last party we're going to, and we were sort of the ones still around the keg, you know, at four in the morning. It's like, the party's over, guys. And the Meadowlands party, because at the time, again, internet wasn't where it is now, and it sort of could just extend, so we had a US version. And then there was a European kind of version. We kind of went through that. I mean, we were crazy. We were flying over to Europe on a, on a Friday night and coming back on Sundays to go to work on Mondays, losing our shirts, right? We never made any money. Uh, but it, it kind of extended that. And we really milked it out until when guys were starting to get married. And that was all the way to you know 2007, 2008 was sort of the, the wind down. So it was a good five years.
0: What do you love about playing live shows and touring? Like what do you love about creating the art and and you um, know I guess why why would you pursue that dream in the first place
3: yeah it's funny uh I was never a, a super fan of of playing the shows as much as I loved it and how much fun we were having I was the I was the one of the the guys in the band that was always nervous to kind of go on there but then once on the stage then it was just wonderful because you know you're with your friends you're doing all this really cool stuff and and truly it was the interaction between the music and the people live anyone that would come and care that's what makes you love it right because it it is a high uh and it's and when it's good it's great when it's bad it's still great kind of thing you know so you could see the lore of it and um and it never turned into a business for us right we never we never got bored by playing the songs night after night after night because we would do it on weekends or long tours. So it was always a bit of a kind of like a circus event, you know, so it had that kind of spark each time.
1: Was there a chat in the band? Like if you're going to that festival and you're in front of, I don't know, thousands of people, it, was there someone saying, you guys, I, I think we I think we should keep going here or you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a thing? Or was the music, you know, so, I, I follow up to that too something not mentioned in that times article was the music industry itself that it is that maybe that's a longer story they need to write, but that it's not sustainable for 99% of the artists who make music. You only really focus on the ones who do make a living and most can't. So that also is influencing you. Of course you have, you know, you look, you read it like, Oh, well they just gave up their dream and they went to, it's like, well, they're there. It's hard to make a living.
3: Yeah, and that's 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 a real odd thing about us is that we never gave up the dream. I mean, we've talked about and we've talked to each other, if not every month, um, in some way, literally since nineteen eighty nine. It's it's really just an odd, bizarre, cult like kind of thing, even amongst the four of us. Right? There would be periods where we wouldn't connect, but by and large, we always just kept having this thing in our life and and thinking about it. But yeah, absolutely, you know, we were lucky enough to play one of the Pitchfork festivals, and it was us, and there were bands like you know. Uh, yeah, you know, the whole Steady was playing. You know, uh, Andrew Bird, and we were like, "Well, could we do this again?" But there was no follow up to that gig. Yeah, that was like a one, and then you're right back to Nothingville, and uh, and since we kind of couldn't sustain, really, just the money, or however you want to look at it, we just didn't link it up together. And then we kind of had this thing. It's like, look, we don't want to be out on the road. It, we don't want to. We don't want that lifestyle all the time. It's a unique. You have to be a unique crew. Mm-hmm. You gotta love it, right? You have to love you know, finding a diner at four in the morning kind of thing. It gets old fast.
0: Yeah, it's, I guess I think about this a lot about people always talk about there's a way to do things, right? And Mm -hmm. it sounds like y'all were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And the magic behind the wrens doesn't exist in this paradigm of the music industry and the way it was like created and the way it was running Mm -hmm. and designed. And that it's almost like the Wrens have had to create their own reality around it, or, you know. But yeah. that's part of the magic, you know. that's
3: uh, I, 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 think we should have you write our story, honestly, <laughs> Amy, because, because that that you're you're saying it far better than any of us really say it. And that's that is what it is. It's it's the oddity of it. There's not many bands that you know. I have never you know now except doing what we're doing now. But I have never played in another band. I have never done a solo show. I have never. I never went outside of the commune, right, ever. Not since I was uh, 16 years old. Now I'm now 51, right? So that's a, that's a unique kind of dedication. It is sort of like, you know, the Marines or whatever. And you're exactly right. We just never fit in. Even though we had that little bit of success and John and Pitchwork helped, we were never that band because we're sort of too weird because people will come see It's like, oh my God, they're a bunch of old guys playing this one record that they only have this. And, you know, and then we were never... Um, I think what I also realized is that we were never a generational band, right? Mm. You know, when, mm. when a band hits their generation, that takes them, right? Right. Even the whole steady, they, they caught onto a generation at that time that was that they, they hit it. We didn't have that kind of, or like using Connor, or any, like he was a kid and they had the whole thing right around them. And so, yeah, we sort of built this, we ha- we really struggled. It's like, why give up the dream, right? The dream never left us. And, you know, we really never gave up the dream even to, to now it's just a dream changed for sure
0: okay so now you've created a crack in this paradigm with your new project yeah <laughs> do you want to talk about that um tell us about yeah. your new project breaking away uh, from the rest yeah. well yeah tell yeah, us where it you.
1: starts like where where i don't um, even know where you would know to begin on that like because there's so many years
3: it's so again like you're 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 talking this this new you know work it's not often that someone writes a record over 13 years that's what this is now i mean it's just that's what i'm saying the story is just like are you you guys are crazy like you're just insane um i started the demos in 2007 and you know in 2010 11 12 i still had a lot of it kind of created and put into place and then by 2013 um i was sort of done so there's half of the record that you're listening to now that literally was recorded um, in 2013 in that period and never touched again, sort of like put into a closet like your old photos. And then, you know, we just kind of worked through what we were doing with the Rens and trying to figure it out and supporting each other and and, and how we wanted to kind of see it through. And there was lots of ups and downs, kids, just everything, right? Life, I lived in Asia for a little bit. And, um, you know, I then kind of, you know, got through COVID and got, you know, I guess past 50. And I was like, you know, I don't want to wait on music anymore. I've been doing it still 16 and I essentially now waited an entire decade and did nothing. Right. And I was like, well, I want to enjoy it for me and for my kids. And, and certainly now I, I kind of just wanted to enjoy it. Right. So that's sort of what made me kind of say, let's write some songs and, and see where things are going.
1: How much, um, how much did your kids impact you getting this music out and, and, and sort of yeah. breaking away finally from this, this, this gang?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I will definitely, I will always say I'm always in the gang. I could never break away. You know, it's like, um, you know, breaking away is almost like, you know, I'm doing like an assignment, you know, (laughs) but it's, I, I I just, it's just who I've always been in my life and I could never be away from it. The, um, but I would say my kids, you know, John, when I met you, I was just single and I could barely pay rent, you know, and now, right. I have two, two little boys, um, as I mentioned, eight and 10. And, I think that definitely changes you, right? Your, your, uh, your responsibility, uh, you know, meter, you know, focus you in. And then also, you know, I kind of shared about this, my, my boy was diagnosed with autism, you know, like in a year and a half. And, and, you know, for those parents to kind of deal with children alone, it's, it's difficult. But then on top of that, a special needs child, it's, it, it does something so profound to your way of life, you know, because now you're, you know, I now have an eight-year-old son that really doesn't speak to me and doesn't understand and doesn't engage. And, you know, every day that kind of shows you the beauty of life and how you really should not wait and waste time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it has changed me in more ways than I could ever imagine or even know, I would say.
1: I don't often ask about names. Uh, that's like yeah. the DJ question you want to avoid.
3: I'm going to do it anyway. Because yeah, yeah.
1: I read about how you see your boy observe. An observatory, yeah. the name of the record. Yeah. Like that just that hit me.
3: It was so I haven't said this at all, but it was so weird because we were in the car. It was during COVID and we couldn't go anywhere. So we were just driving, you know, in the car and he sits in the back and, and you know, like most normal kids will kind of yell and say this, but he really doesn't say anything, right? He just sits there and looks out the window. And I haven't said this to anyone, geez. Uh, and it's very quiet, right? So even if I speak to him, it's not really a kind of a, there's no response back or whatever but you would notice i would notice that he would kind of watch where i was going and he started to memorize where i was going so he would sort of know and i would hear sort of like so it's an amazing thing that even in life as it's moving past us you know over and over again he's memorizing it or he's taking it in in a way that i'm not right mm. you know and i think um and being very blunt with you right Uh, there was a sign that said observatory. And I was like, it just kind of hit me, right? And I think it was in that moment. And I haven't haven't shared that with anyone, but it's sort of like tied in with the whole, like where I thought the songs were, observing what stages you are in life. You know, you observe things in so many different ways. Not being all arty and farty, but uh, that's what kind of struck me.
0: Well, we like arts and farts around here.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Especially when we're talking kids. (laughs) a lot of that. <laughs> that was the beautiful segue, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for helping me out <laughs> of on that one.
0: You're welcome. She's um,
1: pro, man. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Um, I'm listening to you talk about this and you really are like, you really are an artist and an artist creates something where there is not something right. And you're even doing that with how your, how the wrens were. And then this new project and your son, he's not going to fit in in the way that yeah. people have an expectation. Yet yeah. there's an artistry about who he is and who he'll be. And it's and it's beautiful to hear you connect those dots and talk about where you sort of got him in that moment.
3: You're crystallizing in a way that's so nice because, you know, when you go through this, we all have fears about our futures, our children's futures, our friends, family's futures, whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you look at a society that makes so many judgments, calls on so many random things, I look at his future and it is just, it's not in the playbook, right? I mean, it is when you're like, oh, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to have this kind of life. And it's, it's sort of seen like in a segment of thing. But I think, you know, that everyone's consciousness around, you know, mental health, the relationships and, you know, damn it, everyone's weird, right? It just doesn't matter, you know? And just some of us can kind of relate and change in different ways. And that's very kind. You know, I do think that the, the Rens and even this project, you know, we, we, I think in some ways we've never great great major success because we are always trying to do that artist-y thing, right? That thing where it's like, well, you're, you're just, you know, you're not going to be popular if you do this. And I think, you know, looking at that here in this record, and there were parts where I was just like, I even went to my wife one time. I was like, I am, I don't know if I should be singing this, right? It kind of feels even more exposed to me, but I was like, you know, that's what you got to do. Right. And and again, I, again, like the Meadowlands, I had zero expectations and I have zero expectations. Just if people like it, then that's wonderful.
0: I really think though, that it's a disservice to humanity that we're all trying to be homogeneous. Mm. And I think that, Allowing those sides of us that are more vulnerable or are different is really the beauty, and, and I think we're craving it. To be honest, I think people are craving I so, it.
3: So, yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I I I didn't expect our podcast to be like this, but I, I, you know, uh, having a child like this, you know, just sharing, uh, it's weird. So they obviously have a very big connection with electronics. Uh, autistic children. And it's weird because he will he will use the television he'll use an iphone and ipad and he'll link all three of them up to anything on youtube so he'll have youtube running in real time and all of a sudden he links them all up i don't even know how he does it <laughs> so all of a sudden like literally it'll be like it'll almost be like three versions of videos and they're all running exactly at the right sync um or or it's it's really 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 strange talk about how the brain can do things that we normal people kind of can't you know he'll watch things in alternate speeds and changes them constantly And I can stop him in any one of the videos and ask him what's about to happen. And he'll try to kind of get it out, but he knows it all. It doesn't matter. Like, it's so weird. It's like, I can't even remember my social security number. Right. I can't imagine like just these random. So I think you're right. I think people are craving that, you know, I'm not normal. Do I have to be normal? You know, do I have to live my life normal? I think COVID's kind of even, you know, accentuated that to a certain degree.
1: These other songs, there's these five that were, I'm doing the math with your son's age too, so that these songs, yeah. the other songs, are after as you're raising your kids and your family. Yeah. So though, right? Do these match mm-hmm. up? I've seen now. You know, I I the songs I heard right away were like, this is this is the follow up to the, the the Meadowlands man. Th- yeah, it hit like he... immediately. I was like, "By the way, I didn't even mention this, and I don't want me to put you on the spot." Those fucking great songs, man. I they're oh very God, good. Like very everything, I haven't even mentioned how much I like them. I'm talking about the ah, oh, the metal are... <laughs> answer.
3: Then he's got this newer. Uh... <laughs> 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 no, it's gone. It's so sweet, yeah. It's, but uh, it's I'm curious
1: good. about the other. I'm curious about your songs. Like, are are these newer yeah. songs? Now, are these newer songs? And forgive me if you've already done all this, but but are, yeah. were were they with? That in mind still, Ren's in mind, or was it for this project in mind, or just, you were just writing songs?
3: Um, No, actually, uh, yeah, a number of them were ready for the Wren's record, right? That's where they were going. Yeah. So there was four or five of them, they were already set and set in place, and that's where it was going to go. Uh, and then just over time, when it was, looks like, you know, we're still trying to work out stuff and it's taking longer than expected. Um, then through COVID, I just, you know, and, and really just, you know, with my wife, it was just like, She's like, well, just do it, right? You you know, I hadn't done music in a long time in that way. And, uh, and you know, when you don't have your art or you don't kind of, you know, uh, explore it, sometimes you get a little weird. <laughs> I think I was getting a little strange, you know? And so I just kind of had like this bolus. like last uh, October, I just kind of started writing these songs and I wrote five of them. And then I recorded them across three days in December. So December 18 and 19, and then a couple of days in February and March of this year. And I just kind of knocked it all out. I just said, you know, here's what it is, and it kind of felt right and it kind of was complimentary to the other songs and and I'm 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 happy. I'm happy with the way it, it tells a story, right? It's a little bit of a journey in the record.
1: Did it feel <clears throat> did it feel good? to speed up the process? I have to ask that question because people are probably thinking that. Like, did it feel weird? Did it feel good? Is it it hard for you?
3: Yeah. It's so funny to to be speaking about like, this is how weird (laughs) even having a conversation with me is like speeding up a process that I started in 2007. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think Facebook was just started in what, 2005 or six. I mean, yeah, it's like, like don't don't go too fast. Now. Yeah, you might want to think Kevin. about things. <laughs> um, but I do think that the the uh, music uh, you know, there was some there were some demos that kind of like made in, into these songs. But yeah, just kind of there's something about immediacy too, right? It's, it is like the live thing. There's something about like I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to not make it stale or overthink it or over right analyze it. Yeah, that did feel good to kind of just do it. Even if, it, And, you know, it's so funny because I've been doing it for so long. I just didn't care. It's like, is it good? It's like, I think it's good, right? And I wouldn't have put it out if I didn't think it was good for sure. And then people, like, it was very nice. You know, I can't, you know, Seattle is just, I have so many great friends and loves in Seattle. It's just, you know, there's, a, there's like the whole city has been so good to the Rens. And, you know, Sub Pop has been nice. And, you know, I kind of would share a couple songs and they were like, this is good. <laughs> like, okay.
1: They'd tell you if they weren't.
3: We know those yeah. sub We know those sub pop you know,
0: people. They, uh,
3: they, were, they were, they've always I, been sweetly, uh, very Western, yes, and very like you know, like it's good. But let me tell you a couple things.
1: I liked, <laughs> right, I liked you know? Tony's quote in the um, in the Times. I uh, was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was hands off. Maybe I was a little too hands off.
3: <laughs> I thought that was like the perfect. Yeah. You're on the perfect layer. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> honestly really it was you know you have to figure like since 1989 we were dreaming about a sub pop i mean really you know the amount of demos that we set to sub pop is probably disgusting you <laughs> See, know so you and, are living your dreams yeah yeah i i'm telling you i am i am the uh you know i am a, uh, an example of don't quit kind of thing like it, you might not get what you think But don't quit. Right. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. Just keep going. Right. Who cares? Just do it.
0: Do you think with songwriting, do you think um, the time it takes, if it takes a long time, do you think it's a question of perfectionism or a question of gestation?
3: Um, I think everybody works in very different ways. And I, unfortunately, I don't think you can clarify any one work method over the other in terms of value. The value always comes in the end product. You know, so something that comes in five minutes, right? You know, you hear this all the time. But I do think that with songwriting, there is a part that you can't love the first thing you did. You know, I think that just, it's really, the first thing you did is probably not as good as you think it is. And I think you, you meet all the good songwriters that I've been able to meet and all that. It really is the truth. You know, they have a luck out here and there, but for the most part, they're slogging through it and they hate the writing process and they love it at the same time. So I think, I think perfectionism is is really subjective for each people. I think some people should be a little bit more perfect, you know. they Sometimes actually, like, I think what also helped the Rens is that we just didn't do a lot of music, you know. That helps, right? It helps people, it helps you focus, and it helps you live with music for a longer time. You know, you don't have to release five albums, you know. Not everyone's the Beatles, right?
1: What, can I ask about the, I'm getting back to the names, <clears throat> I meant to follow up and ask about Ian Station and what, and what, what is that? What, what is, why a band name? Why not your name? What?
3: Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've never, uh, I am. You've only had really, one band,
1: so you, it's not like you have a lot I, of experience that's, that's, here. So too,
3: but that's, that's the thing, right? It's, um, I only had one band and, uh, and anyone that knows me personally, I am really into partnerships, right? Okay. Whether it's at work, whether it's in a band, I mean, I, I, I'm still in the Rens. I still will always be a Ren. It's over 30 years, right? And I just think that these partnerships that you make with people is really where things start to get good, right? You have these solo geniuses, but in reality everyone's better, you know, off of somebody else and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't and, and Tony and I actually talked about it. So it was really nice. You know, I gotta, you know, I was like, Well, I'm not a singer songwriter guy, you know, I'm not gonna be strumming. It just I don't sound that good like that. I'm just not it's not who I am. And I, I said, you know, can can I make this a project? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you, he's like, you really should, you know, um, because it would it would do a disservice, you know, to think that it's like, oh, I'm just writing songs. Cause in some ways it's it's eclectic, right? The record has weird sounds, real, you know, it's it's not just strumming and singing kind of thing. And Eon yeah. Station, just very quickly, the Eon Station is just, you know. It's taking me eons to get here. I had sort of a stupid joke, right? I, 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 I it kind of struck me as funny. I was like, "Holy shit, man! You know, How did I not get like, that?"
2: Ah, oh. yeah. Oh. And to
3: kind of get into, like, it's like and it's even cheesier. It's like you know, just the station of your life. It's like sure. you know, the train's never going to get here. You know, kind of thing.
1: Has the response been? Has you, you said you know, like people up here and. How's the response been? How and I don't know which group of people I'm looking for the end, like. But what has been your experience of people's response to maybe seeing that Times article and then the follow up with? It seems every music publication.
3: Uh, you know, it's so. I think it again, it's back to what Amy was saying. It's just uh, and and, and even kind of echoing what you what you were saying is that people are just fucking cool. I, I can't say it any kind of easier. They're just people. Just get it right. People are really smart. People are really busy. They sort of like what they like. They don't like what they don't like. It's it's so so basic, but they've all been so nice. They're nice to all of us, right? They're nice to what we've what we've done and what we potentially could do as Dorens. Um, they're very nice to this piece of work and they're excited. But, you know, yeah, I, I would say that people are good. And I think people actually, the sensibilities around art and stuff is really, you know, right there. You know, so people kind of get it. Like if I came out, I was like trying to do hits, and like you know, I'm wearing really tight clothes. They'd be like, "Oh, oh no," you know. They they just sort of get it, I'd you know. They're just say like, something. "Oh, I'd probably write you. <laughs> you John would definitely like, "Oh no, you've taken. You should go back. You should take a you <laughs> well, a wrong turn somewhere."
0: It wouldn't fit you, right? Well, they really
1: really I, wouldn't fit him.
0: No, I don't yeah. mean that. I mean, um, you know, if you're staying true to yourself and you're creating art that's true to you. Then the people who are sort of in the same energy, whatever, club. Right. But- they that then it communicates to them as well, you know.
3: I would say again, it's uh, you know, I've always been the secret super arty one in the REMs, right? I just I just sort of don't talk about it, right? But it really, really matters. And because that's it, that's all I have. And this is in particular in this one, like we're talking about the kind of the heavy topics and There's a lot of heavy topics in this, you know, about divorce, around, you know, apologies, around expectations, about freedom, about escaping, you know. And um, it is trying to get to that artistic moment. Absolutely. It wouldn't have fit me in any in any way whatsoever. Right. You know, it's not um, in some ways it's stylistic of, of my generation or of who I am, but it's trying to be true to a song. And I think regardless of time or format songs just sort of will speak right no matter how they're cutting
1: there i i saw a lot of in the comments a lot of sympathy for for all of you guys like ha, yeah like just exactly. issues you've had to deal with have you had there's also a little bit of a you know wanting to pit you and charles against each other yeah. uh, and i didn't feel in either reading some interviews with both you guys i i didn't yeah i didn't read that from either of you it, are you all in Okay. Terms. How do you feel about that relationship?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, he and I have been friends since I was 18 years old. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, you know, and, and we lived together for 15 years. I lived longer with him than I have with my wife and two kids. I love all three of them. There's no question about that. Right. So like I always say, I'm, I'm, I'm a Wren now. I always have been, I always would love it, but I just also love music and I love work and and I think it kind of actually, I think it only kind of expands sort of what we are and who we are, right? I think it also kind of helps that too right? in an odd way. Yeah. But yeah, not that every relationship's easy, even when you love each other completely, right? There are times when you just you kind of can't get on the same page, and and to be sort of in a childhood pursuit all the way into your fifties is rather unique. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for he, sure.
1: it's like he, he well, he has these other songs too, so he sort of has yeah. the other half of the. Re- are you eager to hear? how those
3: come out? Are you, you've heard them. I'm
1: clearly, I'm sure you, you have a pretty good idea of those songs, but yeah,
3: absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and Greg had a couple songs for the record too. Right. So it's, uh, but of course, you know, I, I was with Charles when, you know, he's writing his first song in an apartment in West New York. And I was like, we should do this. (laughs) Um, so we've always, and we've done the hundreds, right. Hundreds and hundreds of demos and stuff together over these years. And, um, yeah. I will always be his biggest and most ardent fan and always tell him he should do more. <laughs> I always ask, you know, for sure. That's for, that's for everybody, right? If you yes. love what you do, do it. That's, right. that's
0: it. Well, it's a question of and both, right? There's not this either or. And I think that's what yeah. you're, you're touching on is that I'm Eon Station and I'm also a Wren. You know, there's not this like, oh, well, I can't do the runs now because I did this thing. And I wanted to touch on, you were talking about, you know, you don't always agree and then sometimes you agree and and whatever. Well, you know, I was reading something very recently in a book about the Wright brothers and how their entire dynamic was in conflict almost all the time.
3: And Mm, it was because
0: they were solving a problem right? Like they were solving a problem and they were creating something and they were the first to, you know, create a flying airplane. Right. But it took like constant conflict and it wasn't like a negative conflict. It, it was a, like an uplifting, literally an uplifting conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's that tension between a band or a relationship that actually is what makes it succeed.
3: Yeah, and uh, I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, we've always been, you know, in all that kind of situation with the Rens, It was always, a, uh, it was the land of peace, a really calm, very, you know, we really were not a band that was punching each other after the shows, and you know, we'd seen enough of those kind of bands, right, or that kind of stuff. That was never sort of our style. Um, but you know, what's also interesting is that conflict avoidance, right? So that kind of adds in this sort of low hum of conflict or sort of agitation, that I think actually is a bit of a magic sauce that helps you get to where you're going sometimes, right? You, you might feel it's a negative thing and you don't kind of, and certainly you know, we all have, all four of us have very, very bad behaviors that we have contributed to whatever it was, right? But the bad behaviors and the good behaviors sort of would mix into what it is and it made it unique, right? To this day, it does. I mean, even just the fact that anyone, that you and I are having this conversation, um, is a very lucky strike, uh, but you're exactly right. I think it's all the and you're talking about four grown men, right? That have all been committed to something. It's it's a conflict. <laughs> it's an exercise in conflict avoidance uh, and, and navigation. So I
1: have to ask plans for the new record. Ian Station, uh, it, there's touring. I know you're coming to Seattle. We are making plans, right? You're going to yes, be here, yes. so we're working. Yes, again,
3: thanks to you. Yes. So
1: is that a different situation with you and your current setup or is it like a, like a rent setup where you're going to do some weekend stuff and go back?
3: Yeah. The latter, right. uh, To Amy's question earlier, it's, I I think a song is realized and kind of grown in a different way in front of an audience. And to have that, that partnership between people that like to listen to it and to play it live. And I think that's a unique experience. And, and yeah, I think it would be weekends and stuff like that. And it's really nice. We, we have this, Ren's community all over right in the sense of not just people that like the music but uh even the the guy that helps book the Rens. you know a lovely guy his name's ryan he's he was our drummer right he was actually the drummer that even came to all those shows all the way back when and he's gone on to some great success he actually he books were on drugs just a wonderful Mm -hmm. person and yeah he's helping us kind of book some some shows and you know uh even going to go down to south by southwest and do that merriment so that would be fun and uh yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm super excited, you know, because I'm proud of the songs, right? Of course, and uh, I think if I could make them sound well live, that would be uh, that would be pretty fun for sure.
1: I'm excited for you, man. I really uh, well, am. I really am. I'm so happy these songs are out. I'm I'm such a fan of your music, and 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 they don't they didn't. Disappoint even a little, you know. It was just—it's just—it it feels like it was yesterday in some ways. I'm sure you feel the same way, but at the same time, not <laughs>
0: the taco time. Parking lot. <laughs> yeah, just
1: just the, just the other day, ago. we had some times, and I, you know, Amy and I will be there. We're very excited to see uh, this so nice. happen live, especially after having this conversation. And um, it Thank it you, it, it felt like it felt weird to reach out to you even. In that, like, does he talk about this? And then I saw the, because I wanted to talk to you about all this. I kept thinking yeah. I should, like, write you. And even I got weird about it, like, because I didn't understand, like, what, is it a sensitive topic? Do I? And then I read that. I go, <laughs> I'm going to reach out to him. He's in the New York Times. I think it's okay.
3: <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's so funny. You've always been such a, a friend and supporter of the music. And, and you act like you do for many artists uh, for many years. And, you know, I, I think sometimes you don't realize the, uh, the reach that that has, right. You figure in some ways your, your partnership with the KXP and you and, and everybody, um, Seattle kind of perpetuated our dream, right. For sure. For years with families, friends and everything. So, you know, uh, I can't thank you enough, right. For being part of the story. Cause it really is a partnership for sure.
1: That's really nice to hear. Uh, you- yeah. It's here. Us, us old dudes sitting around now, talking about talking about I our
3: know. indie rock well, dreams. Now, uh, <laughs> listen, they're not dead. They're, they're not. still here.
2: Everything I want.
0: Such a great conversation.
1: I am. Loving my heart for Kevin.
0: We're going to hang out with him. We are. We are planning it. We yeah. are like working with his label. Like, when is he coming to Seattle again? Okay, <laughs> does that fit with our schedule?
1: <laughs> yeah, the 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 Kevin uh, sub-pop uh, us trifecta is going to work out. Like, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I have to say, the whole Meadowlands um, time period, that was... The Metal Ends is one of my all-time favorite records. Uh, It was my album of the year. I I just love that band. And we had a lot of good times over the years. The show at the Bowery that they headlined, it was a John in the Morning show over in New York. They played over here at another one of my shows at Numo's. They played the Croc. Like, just all the shows were great. And when we talked about um, that in the interview, and I just have to say, uh, it really was an amazing time. And I'm so excited for them. And this new record, it's really good, Amy. It's, it's, it's a killer record. I just I love it. So we want to thank Kevin for spending. We could have spent hours and hours and hours with Kevin. We said all about our guests. I think we invite our favorite people. I think is we should just open the interview with. Here's our latest favorite person, and it's Kevin Whalen. Um, so I again, we're gonna leave you with a, a song at the end called Queens. It was hard to pick just one, but that's the one I want to go with. Uh, at the end of this podcast but before we go we, we don't want to thank just kevin we want to thank our other friends at ruinous
0: joe pat chris and jay
1: thank you all for your help on this podcast and a big thank you to our friend michael benjamin Lerner. telekinesis is another name he's under who does the doctor and the dj song that is one catchy song by the way we want to thank jody and everybody over at wonderground we uh really appreciate their support of this podcast they're pretty amazing people they got this amazing coffee their products are crafted to inspire moments of wonder from day to night and as uh, they told us hey look the world's new normal asks us to carry an unbearable weight of stress and worry and they're trying to create something that helps to ease that burden And uh, at their core is coffee and coffee's connection. And these days we need it more than ever. Make sure you go to their shop if you're here in Seattle, Capitol Hill at East Pike, uh, and you can see them online as well. And use the code Doctor Wonder for 10% off all their amazing coffee and food. Uh, What else, Amy? Anything else? Nope. (laughs) Okay, we'll leave you there.
2: Is it the way it has to be, with all the things?